This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello and good night, everybody. Uh, yeah, that's uh, how Senate candidate Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman opened his debate on Tuesday night with uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz. I wanted to talk about um, <clears throat> when did it become okay or acceptable to blatantly lie to the American public? Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that we haven't been lied to repeatedly by administrations, by political hucksters forever. Um, notable example would be FDR um, was portrayed as being more mobile than he was. Uh, the media didn't really report it accurately. So, I mean, at least as far back as that, and it probably goes further back. The media hasn't really been honest with um, the American public. Um, decades later, some of uh, FDR's philandering came out. Uh, they certainly covered for JFK and his philandering. Uh, I think it was, I think it was after Watergate when it became okay to start talking openly about the weaknesses uh, of a candidate, most notably Republicans. Um, but they started to shy away from it on the Democratic side. So Tony and I have had this discussion many times, and you've probably heard this. Journalism, to me, is a made-up phrase. It's convenient to say I'm a journalist and I have integrity, yet Every time I hear a journalist say that, they have no integrity. So I question journalistic ethics. Well, journalistically, I can't say that or I can't do that or that goes against my ethics, whatever that means. Um, so Tuesday night, as I started out with, John Fetterman takes the stage in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to debate one time with Dr. Mehmet Oz, both running for the Senate seat. Now, if you don't know John Fetterman's background, I'm not going to go into it tonight. Look it up. But effectively, he hasn't done much uh, to this point. Um, he's in his only term as lieutenant governor in the state of Pennsylvania um, for Governor Wolf, who, for reasons I don't quite understand, picked him as his running mate uh, during the last uh, election cycle. He never moved to Harrisburg. He stayed in Pittsburgh. He's from York, Pennsylvania. Um, he's got a checkered past of, let's just say sketchy behavior that you're like, mm, is this guy really what I think he is? Um, he did chase down a man in his neighborhood, uh, when he was mayor of a uh, town of Braddock, Pennsylvania with a shotgun, held him at gunpoint because he thought he heard, uh, he said he heard gunshots, but it was fireworks the guy he held had no weapons. He was a jogger. He's never apologized for that behavior. He just said, I was the chief law enforcement officer for Braddock, so I had to do that. Uh, he said in 2018, I'm against fracking. I've always been against fracking. And then on Tuesday night, he says, I've always been for fracking. What are you talking about? I love fracking. I've always been. So th those, are, those aren't squared. Nobody in the media will call him on it. And, and the amazing part to me is 
if you point out a failing of a Democrat, then you're the bad guy for noticing that they have a failing. If they point it out about a Republican, well, then that's a reason you shouldn't trust this person. You shouldn't vote for this person. So John Fetterman, I don't think he was a great candidate prior to his stroke, which did happen prior to the primaries back in May. He's even a worse candidate now. But we're being told by our betters, specifically MSNBC, that he doesn't really have to do much. He just has to push the button for yay or nay. So he's a perfectly fine candidate to push the buttons for yay or nay. You don't really have to talk. You don't have to do much. Just push a button, Um, which is not my idea of a representative for my state of Pennsylvania. I kind of want them to be able to string together coherent sentences and understand what's being spoken. Um, But I guess I really shouldn't be super surprised because in 2020, we elected Joe Biden. I, I don't, any objective measure that says Joe Biden is competent to be president is missing the understanding of competence because he is clearly not understanding what's going on around him. And everybody who makes an apology for that doesn't understand. What you got is candidates who will effectively occupy a spot where somebody else can direct their actions. Now, that's not what I vote for a candidate. I want a candidate to actually think. I want a, I, I'd like a candidate to vote in similar lockstep with what I believe, but that doesn't always happen. Nobody's going to be exactly what I want. But I don't expect somebody to be basically a figurehead that somebody else is pushing the buttons for. But is that not what we have with Joe Biden? Contrary to what he might state, that he's mentally sharp, uh, all evidence to the contrary, that he knows what's going on and he's got a plan. He's shown no plans. He doesn't seem to know what's going on and he doesn't seem mentally sharp at any time, anywhere. Uh, He made a comment the other day that uh, gas is lower now than it was when he took office, which is a lie, but apparently nobody's going to call him on it. It's like, oh, no, it's just Joe. So at what point do we just say, no, you've got to be competent. You've got to show, demonstrate a level of competence for the role. And right now, John Fetterman can't demonstrate a level of confidence or competence in what he can do. And I don't care what his wife says. You're being ableist. Stop. You, the guy can't string together sentences. He had a stroke. He was a bad candidate before he had the stroke. Let's not forget that part. Let's not sweep it aside like, oh, he was wonderful up until he had the stroke. No, he was not. He was a bad candidate. Joe Biden was a bad candidate in 2020, 2016, 2012, 2008, 1988. Joe Biden was a bad candidate. Joe Biden didn't become a good candidate. He just became uh, manipulated by other groups. That's where we're having, I'm having a problem. I won't speak for anybody else. I'm having a problem. I'm being told I'm supposed to accept that this person just has to toe the party line. That's all that really matters. Direct direct democracy. It didn't work for the Athenians. Okay? It doesn't work. That's mob rule. The majority wins because the majority coerced or belittled somebody into voting the way they wanted. Mob vote does not work. Direct democracy has not worked. 
It's too many people with too many voices and too many ideas that you can't get anything done. Think about this. If you've had a meeting with one other person, you tend to get a whole lot more done. You had a second person, a third person, a fourth person. Pretty soon you're up to five, 10 people. One, just trying to coordinate schedules to get everybody in the same room at the same time, whether it's a Zoom room or not. That's hard. But then getting everybody to agree on something, it becomes a mess. That's what you're looking at here. You're looking at somebody saying, I just want somebody to push the button for the agenda of the Democratic Party. Well, no, I don't want that. And you shouldn't either. I don't care what party you vote for. You shouldn't want somebody who just pushes the button for the people in charge. Who are you voting for then? You're voting for the the people who are running this person, not the person. Now, that seems like a strange thought process to some people because, wait a minute, I want them to vote for what they think is right. Can John Fetterman do that? Can Joe Biden do that? He's not voting. But can Joe Biden honestly evaluate things? He, he put out a, a uh, marijuana, federal marijuana charges forgiveness that released exactly zero people. Why? You put out a forgiveness plan to placate somebody on charges that nobody had. Now, they had charges for medical or for marijuana for federal charges, but they didn't only have that. They had other charges. So nobody was released from prison based on this thing, but he got it in the headlines. Joe Biden forgives marijuana possession on the federal level and released zero people. So why do it? Oh, for publicity. Forgive student loans. Why do we do that? So we can get votes. Why do you go to the Saudis to pump oil? Because we don't want to pump our own? To get votes. See, the reality is the mainstream media, specifically the Democratic media, which, again, is basically the same thing, uh, can't seem to fathom why we don't care more about the Dobbs decision, which I did. I I care very deeply about the Dobbs decision. I'm I'm very happy it came out. I wish it was more far-reaching, but it's a start. Um, But I... They can't seem to grasp why you care about gas prices and food prices. And am I going to have a job? Why would you possibly care about those things when we can save the planet? Yes, if, if we save the planet, that's a big if, um, but I don't have a job and I have no money and I can't buy anything, does it really matter? I'm still alive, sort of, maybe? No, I, I think that's the reality. When you... It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If your basic needs can't be met, you don't care about the self-actualization. You don't care. Can I, can, I pay, can I be warm and be fed and get water? If I can't do those things, I don't care that the planet's being saved because we're, we're going back to the Stone Age. I don't care about that. And most people don't care about that. Unless you have enough money to weather that storm, you don't care that you're saving the planet. Because, again, it's questionable whether or not you're actually saving the planet and instead of just causing more problems. Okay, the Tesla fires, the, the lithium-ion batteries that blow up and cause all sorts of problems. What is, the, what is the reality here that we're talking about? The reality is we don't know what this is going to cause, but we do know that if you, you take away all the use of fossil fuels... We don't have a substitute. We don't. We don't have a replacement for what we're currently using, let alone any additional use we might have. 
Okay. So all those rechargeable batteries you got in your house, they need electricity to be charged, you know, and solar panels are not going to cut it. You don't get enough energy from a solar panel to run a household. You, you might in certain places, if you have a limited use of electricity and you have lots of solar panels and lots of sunshine on a regular basis, but most people don't live in that place. Most people in the United States don't live in a place where you can get that much energy to, to power everything electric. So we give up on an opportunity for uh, other things simply because we want to not use fossil fuels. But that's what you're voting for when you're voting for the Democratic Party right now. So we've got an election coming up on November 8th. Now, most places that election voting has already started, whether it's mail-in or in-person. The, the idea of an election day is kind of misrepresentative of what it actually is. I mean, a lot of people vote on election day. But there's a fair number of people anymore that are voting prior to, either through mail-in or other means, that isn't, isn't necessarily on the election day. So in the state of Pennsylvania, about 500 to 700,000 votes have already been cast prior to the debate with uh, Fetterman and Oz. So we don't know how those votes went. But if you're the Fetterman campaign, you're thinking, mm, push this off as far as possible. Maybe enough people vote that it won't matter, that they'll see how, much, how bad I am. Now, I want to st- state something this here. Fetterman was not a hero for taking the stage. His, his, he was pushed into it because he had to. He was running for Senate. He had to debate. He did, pushed it off as long as possible. He did one debate. He wasn't planning to do more. So to, to say like he's a hero because he went up there and he knew he was going to be overwhelmed and he had a stroke. Now, that, that's spin to tell you, well, you, your expectations should have been low. My expectations were that you could speak. You can't. Not coherently. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. The whole point I get back to is why do we continue to use our media sources as a frame of reference for what we know about candidates? Elon Musk purchased Twitter yesterday. Now, I think Twitter is a mess. I've never really understood why Twitter was anything. It's not the town hall. It's big media groups and famous people trying to tell you what to think and you're supposed to care. That, that's the difference. Whether it's Elon Musk doing it or not, I, I, I'm not going to be libertarian on this where everybody should have a say in everything they want to talk about. There should be some guidelines, but the way Twitter was working, it, it, was, it was a mess. You, you were basically only limiting those who were on the right side of the aisle, per se, and, and amplifying the left and acting as though it's settled because we said so it's settled. And if you disagree, we, you, can't, you can't be on our platform. Um, I find Twitter to be loathsome. I, I find nothing redeeming about Twitter. Um, and this is an ordinary citizen. This is not as a famous person, obviously. So maybe it's different if I'm famous. It's a brand. It's a, it's a way to connect with my fans or my customers. But as an ordinary citizen, it's worthless. And I think anybody who is an ordinary citizen who thinks it's valuable, please tell me why. I, I truly don't know what is valuable about it. Um, you share your opinion, it goes into the ether, and maybe somebody reads it. Probably not, but maybe. Um, that's it. But you would think the world had ended because Elon Musk now is in charge of Twitter. Like, he can make it worse somehow. 
Twitter was horrible before. I'm hoping he can make it better, but it's probably still going to be horrible. Um, I'm not sure what changes, but you, you would think from the mainstream media and from the pundits, well, this is the worst thing that has ever happened. Now we're no longer in charge of what's going to happen, shaping the media, shaping the narrative. So I I say all this because we've got a big deal coming up on November 8th. And I'm not the person who says, well, you vote for the opposite party that's that's not in power simply because the party in power. If you have two candidates who are not incumbents, then you should be voting for the person you think is going to do the best job. If you've got an incumbent then and they're of the party in power and you don't like the party in power, then maybe that switches your vote and you, you choose the other party. But I, I, in the House, it's local. In the Senate, it's wider spread, but it's still regional. It's not national. Although we try to act like they're national referendums, um, I think if you're sitting there saying candidate A is telling me more of the same and candidate B is promising me something else and right now the same is bad, then something else looks appealing. I don't care who the candidate is. That's the the simple thing. So should the Republicans take the Senate, take the House, they won't have the presidency, so it's going to be our adversarial, which... Again, might be the feature, not a feature and the benefit, not the bug. I don't know what's going to happen. My concern is the Republicans have done a poor job when they're in power. They're better as an opposition party. They don't seem to know what to do when they're in power. The Democratic Party seems to know what they want to do, and they just push things through, and they don't really care that it's bad. They've got an agenda. They're going to push that agenda. So at the end of the day, should I expect a whole lot of difference? No. What I would like is gridlock. That's what I want. I want gridlock in, the, in Congress because I don't want them passing laws, sweeping laws with a one or two person majority. I don't want that. I don't want the filibuster gone because I think the filibuster makes people have to reason out why they want something. They can't just say, well, we've got 51 people and we'll just do what we want. We've seen that in this Congress in the last two years. We've seen things that you would never have gotten through a previous Congress because of that Kamala Harris's uh, tie-breaking vote. Um, that's not how government should work. Government should be reasoned and thought out and processed. Um, but we don't get that. We get it in sound bites. We get it in uh, two-year terms, six-year terms, four-year terms, depending on who you're talking about. That's all that matters. We don't look long-term. And I talked about this before. We don't look long-term. We look short-term. We look to the next election cycle. We look to the next poll. We look to the next opportunity when we can get out and talk to the people and try to convince them that we're right and what they think is wrong. So I ask you directly, are you better off than you were two years ago? Financially, mentally, physically, are you better off? And if you are better off, then you probably stick with the status quo. If you aren't, then you probably should look at the alternative. Now, I think the Republicans have done a fairly poor job of putting up candidates uh, to oppose some of these people, but you know, sometimes a weak candidate, uh, i.e. Joe Biden, can win an election because they're not the person in power. And it really doesn't matter. They were going to win regardless of what their name was because they weren't the person in power. Um, 
that's my feeling. I, I feel as though we're going down a bad path, going down a very bad path. Um, there doesn't seem to be any discernible fix. There's certainly not a short-term fix um, to get everything back to normal. I mean, we're talking about a diesel shortage, a diesel shortage, you know, to drive all the trucks, to t- transport all of our stuff. We have been in a, a supply chain crisis for two plus years. It doesn't get, it's not getting better. Things are not on the grocery store shelves. Things are not getting transported. Things are not arriving. Okay. So our, our system is broken. Now, does that mean it can be fixed? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm not a transportation expert. I'm not a supply chain expert. But I have to believe something can be repaired to get us back to some semblance of what we were used to. Maybe not exactly what it was, and maybe that's okay. But right now, when you, when you look at the gas pumps and you go to the grocery store and go, nope, they don't have it. They don't have rice, wheat, corn, um, you, you name it, it's not on the shelves because they can't get it manufactured. You know, we, we can't get pharmaceuticals manufactured. We can't get food manufactured. We can't get fuel manufactured. We, we, we can't get anything manufactured on a con- consistent, regular basis. That should concern you. If it doesn't, where are you living? You know, because I need to get back and forth to work. I need to feed my family. I need to be able to get places um, for personal reasons. I just want to go somewhere. You can't do any of that. So basically what you're saying is we're going back to um, 19th century, maybe. You know, the old, the old joke, uh, what, did, what did communists use before electricity or before candles? Electricity. Um, that's what we're getting to. We're getting to the point where you're going to be burning candles for light. You're going to be using wood to heat your home, even though you don't have a fireplace because they haven't been standard in most houses in decades. You're going to be using open windows for, for cooling in the summer. Um, you're going to dry your clothes on the line in the backyard. You're going to wash them over a rock with a, with a metal board you're not you're not going to have those conveniences. You're not going to travel far from home. Everything's going to be nearby because you don't have the gas to get anywhere. You know, you're either going to walk or ride a bike or um, get a horse. You know, and, and feed it the grass in the backyard because you're not going to have a lawnmower to cut that either. So you can pine for the 19th century or earlier, but the reality is it was a brutal time. And technology has made it more bearable, which is probably why we have time to talk about stuff like this. So you won't be able to listen to my show much longer uh, because you won't be able to have the electricity to run run whatever device you listen to it on. I, I want people to really think long and hard um, before they vote. Do you want what you have or do you want something better? And in many cases, the, the candidate you have to choose from, the candidates you have to choose from, don't give you a great option. And that's our, that's the fault of our politicians as well. We're giving bad choices and told to, well, choose the right one. Which one is that? How about if they're both bad? What do I do then? Because they're both bad. They're both taking us in a bad direction. One just faster than the other. Um, if you can't tell, I'm not voting for John Fetterman. I wasn't going to vote for John Fetterman before, and I'm certainly not going to vote for him after his debate on Tuesday. Uh, I will not vote for, uh, 
I did not vote for Biden in 2020 and I've no plans to vote for him in 2024 if he happens to be running for some odd reason that I can't fathom. But again, he got 81 million votes apparently. Um, but all the experts have told me he got 81 million votes. I don't know how. Um, I, I question the American public if they thought this was the best candidate available. Um, I don't think Trump is uh, the greatest thing to ever live, but boy, it, 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 he, he makes... He makes uh, he looks really 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 good compared to Biden. Um, so let take that let that sink in. Uh, think about it. Hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk after the election and we can figure out what what it means uh, once we see what the results are. Um, I, I'm predicting we're going to see a Republican takeover of the House. I'm just not. I don't know about the Senate. I just can't get a feel for that. It, it, I don't want to hope too much that it's going to be uh, gridlock, but it, that's my best hope is that, that the Republicans take both the Senate and the House and there's gridlock um, for the next two years, and then we see what happens in 2024. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's my, my hope. So I leave you with that. Um, I leave you with this quote because I, I was like, it's a power line week in pictures, and I always like to pick out something that, I, that makes me laugh. And it says, why is no one ever the right amount of whelmed there's underwhelmed and overwhelmed, but you're never just whelmed. Just a thought. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll talk to you next time. I'm Chad. Good night. Production.